in Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Before we uh, read this, let me just say a couple of words about the uh, idea of uh, vision. Uh, vision seems to be a, a watch word, a leadership word that's used today. Uh, Bill Hybels says that for a leader, uh, a vision is your most powerful weapon. Uh, John Maxwell, he, leadership guru, he says that vision is the law of the picture that people will do what people see. So there's uh, leadership models out there that teach us that one of the first things that leader needs to do is cast a vision where we can go and what the future should be like, not what it is, but what should it be. And then we continue to promote that vision and lead people to it, set out a strategy and so on. Um, what is possible? And, and breakthroughs in humanity has, by and large, come by vision. Uh, even in our own nation, in 1774, there was a man named uh, John Adams. He stood up and, and declared his vision for a new nation, independent of Great Britain, a union of 13 states. And within two years, 1776, that vision came to pass and the Declaration of Independence was signed. In the 1890s, two brothers said that men could fly with the right invention. Others said if God wanted men to fly to give it, he would have made wings on us. And they said, well, we're going to make wings. And then in 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright flew the first plane in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Vision. Not what is, but what's possible. In 1900, Henry Ford had a vision um, where he said, uh, we should make automobiles that everybody could have one, the average working person. And so he created the assembly line, and in 1908, they turned out the first of what would be millions of Model Ts. The first Model T that rolled off the assembly line cost $290. You could all go buy one. By 1927, they'd made 15 million of them. The only coming black. Uh, Henry Ford said, you can have any color you want, as long as it's black. So the greatest breakthroughs of history and of humanity have come because leaders can see that which is not happening. They can see it happening, and they can envision it. But the, what you have in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21... It's a vision, but it doesn't fit the typical leadership 
or business model. This is Paul's vision. Let's just read it here. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. By the way, that that Greek word used there, far more abundantly, is only used one other time uh, in history. It's used by Paul only. He made it up. He just put a bunch of prefixes together and, and created a word of what God can do. There's no point in history, in all Greek literature, that this word is ever used except by Paul. It says, he, he that is able to do, to him that's able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think, According to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's Paul's vision. It's the conclusion of these three chapters of teaching about what God has done for us, how he's chosen us, how he's drawn us to himself, how he's put us together as an assembly of believers, even from Gentiles and formed a new covenant and created a... uh, He's burst into history here in, in this first century with a mystery that the angels are fascinated by. And now he comes to this doxology, which is a vision... And it's not, as I said, a typical vision for personal or corporate ambition. What is Paul's vision? And let me give it to you in, in four observations this morning, four comments, four points. Paul's vision is, first of all, and I, I think we can pull these up. Go ahead and give me that first one. But Paul's vision has to do with what God can do in your life. Verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. What can God do? When I factor in God into my life and into my future, He says, raise the level of your expectations. Now that's that's the first thing that the apostle is putting out here. What does God bring to the table? And the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is many times not so much in the outward ethical behavior because a lot of people are just as ethical as Christians. But what the Christian brings is... The God factor. That he is able to do that which I have not even asked for yet. I don't have enough faith to ask. Or enough imagination to think. The level at which he can break through, intervene, and bless my life. It's the God factor. My future 
with him, with the Lord. And I'd rather have him for me as against me. But here, this is the first thing that Paul points out. The second thing that he points out is that it is not only what God can do, but specifically what he can do in you. Look at verse 20 again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power that is, and here the the Greek word is energize or energizing. That's literally the way you pronounce the Greek word, energize. Him that is at work or energizing, giving energy in you. Bursting forth from within, igniting the spirit so that the decisions and the disciplines and the the direction and the life choices are completely different. He, He starts from within, igniting and motivating from within. He says, now I want you to consider him who is able to do, oh, more than you could ask or think within you. Within you. This is, this, is the, this is Christianity right here that Paul is giving to us. See, the typical business model is that which God can, or which we can accomplish. That which we can all, if we all get together and put our heads together, we can do great things. But here he is talking about what God, how God can change a life from the inside out so that so that the energy that comes into you redirects your life i just uh typed in uh, or googled this whole idea of energy and just looked up what the sun can do they can actually uh calculate the amount of energy that the sun gives off it's an sun is actually just an average star maybe even a little smaller than most stars. But I read how you can calculate the total amount of energy that radiates outward from the sun. And every second, the sun produces the same energy as one trillion megaton bombs. Every second. That is enough energy to light and bring electricity to the entire civilization of humanity on the earth for 500,000 years. That, that comes from the Boston Globe, an article in the Boston Globe. And it puts out enough energy for 500,000 years, entire hu- human race, in one second. <laughs> That's the amount of energy that comes out of the sun in one second. The... So God made energy. Energy comes from God. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, He dwells in you. Think what kind of explosive power is inside the Christian when God Himself, by the Holy Spirit, dwells in Paul says, I just, you just need to back up and consider what's going on in your spirit. 
that if in one second the sun can light the whole human race for 500,000 years, what can God do when He, by His Spirit, comes and lives inside of you? Can you not love the unlovely? Amen? Can you not repent of sins that have been long gripping your heart and life? Can you not cast off despair? Is there not within you? We're not talking about changing certain things. We're talking about that which comes from within that changes you out without. This, this is what I think is meant in Matthew 13, 43, when it says that at the end of time, the righteous will stand in the resurrection body and they will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. The sun, S-U-N. The radiation will just flow outward. It will just be unbelievable brightness. Because then, see, if God just was everything He is in you right now, your mortal body would perish in an instant. You couldn't handle it. But there will come a day when He's going to give you a body fitting to your inner man and at that time that body which he gives you which will be like Christ's body because that's the only body that could withstand divinity when he gives you that body then he will be able to just radiate outward in all his glory and power and it will be like the sun shining in its strength I won't be able to look at you you won't be able to look at me you can't hardly look at me now <laughs> but it's not because of the glory. But think of what a day that will be when that which is inside the Christian radiates outward in all of its fullness. I was driving up to our marriage retreat on Friday, and uh, boy, it just seemed like the, as I was. The sky was so blue. And the trees were so green. And the breeze was so sweet. And I thought, I'm high. <laughs> I'm literally high. And it was not from a doobie. I did not smoke anything before I left for the trip. I just was, everything inside of me was saying glory to God. I could feel the energy radiating outward. I could feel the happiness welling up from the inside. Pure joy. This is the power that comes into us, the energy of God that comes into us so that the power of lust can be broken. You can look at a beautiful young lady and admire the beauty and not lust in your heart. That's the power of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 2.14 says, There are those who have eyes full of adultery and they cannot cease from sin. Their eyes are full of adultery. Every time they look at a, a, a woman, they, they lust. Jesus Christ can break that lust and that bondage. 
or drugs. Jesus Christ coming from within, igniting a flame of joy, can break the power of addictions. This is the power of the gospel. Folks, this is Christianity 101. Jesus Christ can come in and slay the dragon of hate and bitterness. This is how marriages are restored. If your love has died for your mate, guess what? God's a God of resurrection. He brings life where there was death. As the songwriter, the hymn writer put it, Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease, tis music to the sinner's ears. Oh, it's life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. And His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood avail for me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in through the blood of Christ. Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which... And then there's that Greek word, energizes within me. Pours his energy into me. So Paul, without a car or a motorcycle or a train or a plane, traveled all over the known world planting churches. With a thorn in the flesh, he was able to function in in the anointing with the grace of God upon him. Paul went... And even jailed, they could not put in fetters the Word of God. He wrote half the New Testament. You could not hold him down, pin him down, keep him down because the power of the glory and the dynamite of God was inside him. The only thing you can do with a guy like that is kill him. And then Jesus is going to resurrect him one day and give him a new body. This is a vision that is focused on the inside. Paul said, and this is the thing that, this is the thing I want you to see that's different about Paul's vision. What's different from Paul's vision and a typical leadership model? And it is this, that Paul saw the power of God on the inside of people. That was his vision. Sinners redeemed, dead in trespasses and sins, brought into fellowship with God, made His own sons and daughters, gathered into an assembly of people called the church, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of the living God, cleansed by the blood so that their past and their sins are not held against them, delivered and empowered by the anointing of God so that their their fears of bondage and their addictions drop off like fetters, like, like chains from a prisoner who's now been pardoned. That's the vision Paul saw. The vision of the world, the leadership model today, is a vision of, of can-do success, which is fine, and you need these kind of things, and uh, often... Uh, Walt Disney had a vision. His vision was that they would, you would have this big Disney World, Playland, 
with all kinds of fantasy characters. And, but before he was able to achieve that vision, he died. And his, a couple of his partners were standing when they had completed the vision and built it to the specifications of Walt Disney's dream. One of them said to the other, and they said, well, looked over this huge park and playland. He said, oh, I wish Walt Disney could have seen this. And the other guy said, oh, he did see it. That's why it's here. Now, that's a business model vision. What is Paul's vision? Paul's vision is not of a big picnic area and a play and a playland. Although I've been there and enjoyed it. I went to Disney World. But the, the vision of Paul is not a Disney World. It is not a business model. It is something that is so far removed and so high above that. He says, my vision is the power of God on the inside of a man, bringing that man into fellowship with other men just like him, changing lives from vice to virtue, raising men from dead to life. That's the vision Paul said. That he is able to do far abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power at work inside of us. That's the vision he had. And just to add to that, this third point is it's a vision focused on the church. It's a vision focused on the church, not just success or business. And the church with all its problems, all its flaws, all its failures, Paul would say, I, I still got, my vision is secured. That's the vision I have. Psalm 63, 2, I have looked upon you, O God, in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. A fourth thing about Paul's vision here, it's a vision that goes into eternity and not just time. He says in verse 21, to him be glory in the church. See, it's focused on the church. To him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all ages, forever and ever. This vision is that which will be here a million years from now. All leadership model visions and business visions, they're necessary, but they are not going to be here 100,000 years from now. Most of them 1,000 years from now. Most of them even 10 years from now. I mentioned Henry Ford and how they sold millions of the Model T's. And for almost 20 years, Ford Motor Company offered one single model, <laughs> the Model T, black. General Motors, though, they began to turn out a variety of colors, different styles. And, and when Henry Ford died, it took Henry Ford II coming back. He was actually in the war, and he came back in 1944. The company had not made a profit in 15 years. They were losing a million dollars a day. Now, that was in 1949, so that in 40 years, the company had gone from the number one automobile manufacturing in, in the world and held that place but 
within one generation, the biggest and best had almost gone bankrupt. One generation. They had the vision. Everything, see, that's what he says here. In Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever, the vision Paul has is that which is going to be here when every other creation has perished and faded. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. Hebrews 1, 10. He says, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. This Hebrews 1.10. You laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. You, this creation, this all belongs to you. You made it. But look at what it says. Hebrews 1.11. But it will all perish. Only you remain. The creation wears out like a garment, like a robe that you roll up like a garment that is changed, but you are the same and your years have no end. Everything in creation, including creation itself, perishes. The sun is dying out. Now don't, don't be alarmed because it's supposed to last another million years, so I'm pretty sure we won't care. But everything runs down in this creation. He said, it's like a garment. You change it. It's not now that God's going to be done with material and earth. He says, it's like a garment that you change. You put the old one off and a new one on. That's in Hebrews 1.12. The creation in which we now live is like a garment, a robe. He said, he said you take the old one off... And then you put a new one on, along with new bodies, new creation, new heavens, and new earth. But now the point is that everything runs down. Paul is saying, if you want the vision that counts, put it into people, into believers, into sinners who've come to God. That's the thing that's going to be here after everything else is gone. That's the vision that counts. What doesn't change? The work of God and the souls of men. That never ends. Seeing God's power in people, saving them and changing their lives and gathering them into an assembly called the church and making their relationship with God not only glorious, but through Him eternal and unchanging. That's Paul's vision. That's something you can give your life to. And I would just end with this verse from Psalm 81. In Psalm 81, in verse 6, I was looking at this some time ago, and, and it's a rehearsal of how God delivered Israel from Egypt. Psalm 81, verse 6. He said, I... I relieved your shoulder from the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. You remember how the Israelites were, they had these taskmasters and they, they built these huge pyramids and, and they had to carry all these bricks in the baskets and, and uh, they had the burdens that they carried on their shoulders as slaves in Egypt. 
And he in Psalm 81 6 says, I took that off of you. I delivered you. I got you out of Egypt. And in verse 7, he says, In distress you called to me, I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. And he said in verse 8, Hear my people while I admonish you. O Israel, if you'll just listen to me, don't let any strange gods be among you. Don't have an idol in your life and heart. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Verse 10. And now you would think that God is saying, Look, I did all this for you. Now what are you going to do for me? Now that, I, when I was reading this, I thought, That's where he's going. Wrong. <laughs> He says, I've done all this for for you. Now, look at verse 10. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, open your mouth wide like a little bird and its mother sitting on the nest. Open your mouth wide. I'll fill it. In other words, you look back at all that God has done for you. Incredible things. Now God says... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to expect far greater things. <laughs> That's what he says. Open your mouth wide. I will fill it. Raise, so here's the word of God to you this morning. Raise the level of your expectation from the God of heaven on what he can do inside of you, through you, as a church, and as a body of believers. And as you rehearse and remember the good that He's done, just turn it into a prayer and say, okay, God, double up this time. Let the future be more than the past. I'm opening my mouth wide like a little bird to receive the nourishment and strength you have for me. Let the future be greater than the past.